Louis, thanks for joining us. Good to be with you once again, Peter. Louis, coming into 2023, um, you were one of the very few analysts that saw Sydney property prices rising in 2023. Uh, most people were geared for a pretty tough year at the end of 2022. Now that we're at the halfway mark of 2023, could you tell us what the numbers for Sydney are showing, please? Yeah, so, so far this year, it looks like dwelling prices in Sydney are up by about 4%. Putting your original forecast well and truly on track, you'd say? Yes, that is correct. We've caveat, so uh, especially given the most recent rate rise that we've had. Uh, but yes, no, it's it's been on track uh, in terms of our base case forecast. And are we seeing a difference in the performance of houses versus apartments, or has everything uh, been rising universally and consistently? I wouldn't call it consistent. I would say the very top end of the market, particularly freestanding dwellings, has probably outperformed the rest of the market. So the affluent end of the market, which has been driven by a very strong Sydney economy. Uh, I would say the weaker end of the market so far is still units. Uh, so we haven't seen a lot of movement for prices on units. It's, it's predominantly been for freestanding homes. And is there any suburbs in particular that are outperforming the broader city? Top end suburbs predominantly, once again, Peter. So the inner ring, we've seen some very strong performance there for semis, uh, for, for terraces, for freestanding homes. Uh, we have seen movement across the board when it comes to homes, and as mentioned, a little bit of underperformance when it comes to units. Not that units have fallen further, I don't think they have, especially established units, but it, it does appear through the data that freestanding houses uh, semis, terraces, any inner ring of Sydney have actually done best. Anyone who's taking a close look at the Sydney market will tell you that there's an absolute lack of sales listings. So buyer right. demand is outstripping seller supply. What role is that playing in the strength in the property market that we're seeing at the moment? Well, it's, it's played a role in terms of buffeting the downturn that we had in 2022. So in normal downturns, you see a surge in, in listings. But we didn't get it this cycle. Uh, yes, there was a tick up in listings, uh, but really uh, new listings fell away. Vendors didn't want to sell into the 2022 downturn at all, and they felt they didn't need to sell. So they backed off, uh, and that ensured that we had minimal listings in what is normally a, a part of the cycle where you see a rise in listings. Well, let's take a look at this slide here, Louis, that you've put together for us that covers off sales volumes and auction clearance rates. We can see late in 2022 that uh, volumes are, are pretty consistent, but uh, we've got a softening there in, in the auction clearance rate. But then when we come to 2023, it quite, quite clearly articulates that there's been a, um, there's been a pullback in, in, in sales volumes, particularly in the last quarter and uh, a, a much stronger auction clearance rate, keeping in mind that your auction clearance rate is done on the Tuesday after the respective weekend, not on Saturday night. So these are not fudged numbers. These are not industry propaganda. This is whether we like it or we don't like it as a buyer or a seller. These are the facts. The auction clearance rate has improved, hasn't it? It has improved. That, that is the truth. Um, and we've seen the improvement really from, I would suggest, the fourth quarter of 2022. So normally in the spring selling season and going into summer, you see a seasonal fall in auction clearance rates in Sydney and Melbourne. We didn't really get it this time round. 
we actually start to see a little bit of a rise. And that helped me with my forecast for 2023. It, it told me that, okay, there's a little bit of confidence starting to return uh, into the market. And then sure enough, um, as we had the property season open up in February, clearance rates really took off. Um, and yes, so on our numbers, getting clearance rates in the 60 percentile range is actually a relatively strong result. Very good. Now, I just want to uh, get a little bit granular on, on these numbers here, Louis. These are from the June long weekend. We yes. must uh, uh, specify for our audience. Yes. Um, but the trend I just want to highlight has been fairly consistent all year, and that's the number of properties that have sold prior to auction yes. versus the numbers that have sold at auction under the hammer. Yes. Let's remove failed campaigns to the side for one moment. Yep. Um, of the properties that are counted as having sold at auction, uh, week in, week out, nearly half of them have always sold prior. Um, what's your view on that? Yes, yeah, selling prior to auction is a, a very interesting one. I, I have some people take the view that it shouldn't be included as part of the clearance rate. However, we take the view that, okay, it was a successful campaign. When you think about it from a, from a vendor's perspective, the vendor is going to auction with a view of selling by that date. They're not looking to sell after that date. If they sell before that date and they're happy with the price, fantastic. Now, but when we consider the sold prior in terms of what's going on in the vendor's mind, clearly uh, an offer's been made prior to auction an offer which is tempting, uh, where the agent's suggesting potentially or advising to that vendor that, hey, this might be as good as it gets, um, so consider taking it. Um, and, and so in this uncertain market, especially rising interest rates, yeah, we're seeing more and more vendors taking the sole prize. Yeah, so they're happy to take the early money and not chance their arm on auction day. That is correct. Yeah. So yeah, you normally see that in more uncertain times. Uh, so no great surprise there, but nevertheless, it was a successful campaign uh, with regard to the vendor. They, they got to sell um, on or prior to the auction day, which is exactly what they wanted. Indeed, and, and in more bullish markets, uh, uh, rapidly rising markets, would vendors be more inclined to chance their arm under the hammer? Or is this a trend that we see when a property market's rising where the vendor doesn't want to risk what's on the table and the buyer's happy to go to their limit pre-auction to give themselves some sort of certainty or security? You know, I, I, in my experience, I find that the vendor's often quite reliant from the advice of the agent in terms of the strength of the interest in the property. And I've found in the past of what agents tend to do is that if they are a little bit unsure, they'll recommend, if, and they've got an offer that's strong, that's within the target range of the vendor, they, they may well suggest to go with it no matter what the market is. Um, and then at other times, I've noticed that, yes, the agent will suggest, no, just wait until we get to uh, the, the day of the auction, we're confident we can do better than that. So it, it just, it's horses for courses for each individual property, I find. But overall, yes, in stronger markets, the probabilities are that the, the vendor may well achieve a better price uh, on the auction day. Uh, the auction clearance rate uh, on your numbers is 70, 75% week in, week out. Is that about, about right? Our final clearance rate numbers in Sydney right now have actually been running in the low 60s to high 50s. Right, okay. So the, the preliminary numbers that you see from my peers, which yes. are released on Saturday, they generally have been coming in like the mid-70s to high-70s, only for those to be revised down each and every week. 
So of the 30 to 40% that don't sell during the auction campaign before or on the day, yes. um, and then go to the market afterwards, what's the clearance rate like for those properties in this environment? So you're talking about properties that failed on the day to sell, Correct. and then they eventually sell. So if we've got a clearance rate of 65%, 35% haven't, haven't sold. I would say another, I'd say another 15% sell within a week uh, of the day. And then it really does boil down to the price and where the vendor is in terms of their expectations. Yeah. And have we seen many failed campaigns from 2022 come back to market and manage to transact in 2023? No, we haven't seen that many of them, actually. Not on our data. You always get some, but I wouldn't say that they're, they're dominating the space right now. Certainly selling conditions this June are better than selling conditions last June. They, they are better. They're better for vendors. They're better for buyers. They're certainly better for agents. Louis, let's take a quick look at the rental market. You had a forecast for the rental market coming into to this year as well, and you're, yeah. you're expecting a very aggressive 12 to 16% increase in the Sydney rental market. That's and off the back of a 25% increase in rents, asking rents for the previous year. So we're actually, it sounds very strong, Peter, but we're actually forecasting a, a little bit of a slowdown, but yeah, it's still a robust number. But uh, yeah, the first quarter, of, uh, of this year as um, international students, uni students, the borders continued to remain open. Yep. They really flooded back into town and uh, we, everyone saw footage in the media of, uh, of queues of house hunters at rental open inspections. Yes. Um, and then something uh, interesting happened um, as we hit that sort of autumn winter period. Suddenly all this rental stock came to market and there wasn't the lines of or the queues of uh, potential renters there that landlords were expecting. And I've seen a number of landlords in the last month or so that have been caught out where they've got too aggressive on price with their existing tenant. The existing tenants moved on for, for, for uh, better opportunities. And suddenly the landlord, in what they think is a rental boom, a landlord boom, has got an empty property and no one turning up to the open house. And I've seen this more than once in the last month. So what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I think the heat has just come out of the rental market in Sydney since March. We have been recording rises in rental vacancy rates for the month of April, for the month of May. And uh, I'd say looking at the forward weekly rental listings, we're likely to record another rise again for the month of June. So look, it's still a landlord's market. We've currently got a rental vacancy rate in Sydney running at about 1.5% per annum. It was lower than that number. Uh, but I'm always watching the trend closely at the moment. Yeah, we, we are starting to record rises in, in vacancies and we're starting to now record a little bit of a slowdown in the rate of growth in asking rents for Sydney as well. When the previous New South Wales government outlawed rental bidding, um, we warned our client base that that would lead to overpricing in the rental market as landlord and agents felt that they couldn't maximise um, the full uh, market potential in a negotiation with competitive interest. So the next best option available to them was to put a high sticker price on the property or put a high rent review to the existing tenant. Yes. Um, did your numbers show a sharp jump in what people were doing with their asking rents when that law came in? Not particularly so, other than just the normal surge we got for the March quarter. So this is on the back of the fact that rents were already rising in Sydney between 20 to 25% per annum. So if I recall our March quarter result for Sydney rents, I think it was up by about another 5.5% for the quarter. 
um, you know, which is in itself a very strong result, something you normally see for the course of a whole year. Um, but I, I think for this current June quarter, uh, we're likely to record a slower increase in rents. Uh, uh, to me, it looks like it's going to come in about 2% uh, for the quarter in terms of rental increases uh, in the Sydney market. So, look, I, I'm, I'm a bit hesitant to call it uh, that, you know, we've now entered into a rental slowdown because I'm very conscious of the fact that the migration numbers are still very strong and visitors to Australia, permanent visitors, permanent arrivals, come to Sydney and Melbourne first as their first port of call. So we can still expect an ongoing increase in, um, in population for our two largest cities. And at the same time, I'm well aware too that we're seeing, uh, we're recording a fall in building approvals for both of these cities due to the rise in interest rates. So if we are going, if we are observing here a little bit of a rise in rental vacancy rates and a little bit of a slowdown in rents in Sydney, I'm not so sure that this is going to be a permanent uh, thing. So each winter we do find that there's a lack of sales listings and an excess of rental listings. Uh, so based on that, uh, and, and in, in summary for what you've just said, this, this current um, slowdown in the rental market is seasonal, it's not structural. Mm. The structural issues in the rental market, the rental crisis we keep hearing about, it's still very, that story is still very much there. It, it's still there. Um, but temporarily it's on the sidelines. It, it's on the sidelines for now. Now, yeah. if we were to go into a sharp economic downturn, I think you would see a rise in rental vacancy rates despite, say, ongoing increases in, in population growth rates. So in an economic downturn, people will do everything they can to survive, right? And so you will see more sharing, more grouping together of people just to, to, to um, cover the rental burden. Which is what Philip Lowe suggested in the parliamentary hearing and got absolutely howled down for, didn't he? Well, he, he didn't say it in the most... Uh, Eloquent way. Eloquent way, didn't he? <laughs> Let's talk about uh, uh, Philip Lowe and the RBA uh, now, if you don't mind. Yep. He is trying, they are trying to contain inflation. Rental market, whilst it may be momentarily cooling, the rental market is well up. Sales prices are well up. Would the RBA be absolutely alarmed and shocked at what is happening in the property market at the moment? I think they've definitely surprised to see the rise in prices in the housing market. They've certainly uh, noted that in recent statements and, and they've noted it as being rather an unwelcome event. Uh, so, uh, yeah, they're, they're, it, it may well have been one of the reasons why they rose again uh, in terms of the cash rate for the month of May and the month of June, just for which they noted at the same time the, the housing market recovery in Sydney and Melbourne. Louis, uh, last year, whilst you were one of the few analysts that predicted Sydney could and probably would rise this year on balance. You yep. weren't predicting an outright boom, but on balance you were. You floated another theory that got no airplay and no credit, but I want to cut back to now because it's got credence all of a sudden. Mm. And you suggested that if inflation remained above mortgage rates and above the, the, the cash rate, there may be a story where cash floods back into hard assets um, uh, because the value of your cash is going backwards at the rate of inflation. That's right. Are we seeing a version of that story play out this year in the marketplace? I think in part we have. Uh, so let's consider the additional buyers that are in the marketplace. Firstly, there's more first-home buyers in the marketplace. These first-home buyers were renters 
renters who had been squeezed by 20 to 25% increases in rents. Those rents form part of the CPI. So when you consider what's going on on the ground, yes, inflation has in part driven more first-home buyers in the market trying to get away from these skyrocketing rents. Second, investors have been jumping into the market. They've been jumping into the market to try and capitalise on the rental increases, but I also believe they've been jumping into the rental market to get a hedge against higher inflation. So history has shown us that in times of elevated inflation, the community looks for a hedge. They look for something to, to hold that. It's tangible, it's going to retain its worth while fiat money starts to devalue. And property generally is the number one asset for that, followed by gold normally. So I think we've seen an element of that in this country. Interesting. Louis, um, as we record, overnight, uh, the US Federal Reserve uh, skipped uh, an interest rate rise um, yes. because uh, their inflation number is starting to head the way they like yes. they want it to. Um, have you got an early view on what the RBA will do in July? Because their rhetoric has been really, really aggressive. Our inflation rate, correct me if I'm wrong, but our inflation rate is actually now above um, the US inflation rate. Um, yes, it is. You, yeah, you, We're, They're running towards now 4%, we're still running at 7 Yeah, that's... So that, that's giving the RBA a big decision in July, isn't it? Yeah, well, it is. Uh, now, note that the Fed came out overnight and stated that there still could be two more rate rises. Now, Hence I use the word skip. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Now, they, they may well be jawboning. And I think there's a valid point to be said that they're not really going to come out and say, that's it, we're not going to lift rates anymore. They want to keep their options open just in case some surprising information on the inflation front comes through. Now, jawboning, could you just explain for those that don't know the definition of jawboning, because I'm fairly comfortable in saying that Philip Lowe has tried this tactic unsuccessfully, but in fairness to him, he has tried it in the last uh, six to nine months. Well, it's kind of bluffing. It's, it's, it's kind of trying to threaten the community that there might be more interest rates rises or scare the community. And by scaring the community, that means the community won't go off and spend like crazy. They'll be cautious, which is exactly what the Reserve Bank of Australia wants. They want to see a slowdown in spending. They want to see a dip in confidence to try and take some of the heat out of the economy. Um, but they would rather talk the community into it than actually do the heavy lifting of, of rising interest rates where there would be real pain. Now, yeah, you could argue that potentially they've tried that a little, um, and it hasn't really worked, hence the reason why the RBA paused, then had to go again when more information came through. The was that pause a mistake? I think it was April he paused. Was yeah, it, was yeah, that they a mistake in hindsight? Yeah, that's a good question in, in, hind, in hindsight. I, I'm not sure. Um, the Reserve Bank of Australia has a long history uh, when it comes to rising interest rates of lifting a couple of notches and pausing and lifting again and pausing. So it's, it's not outside their normal behaviour to pause and then lift again. Um, so, and I think uh, in, in, right throughout that whole time, the governor was very clear that there could be more interest rate rises to come and, and certainly there have been. So I think what we will still see though, is when we do finally peak with the interest rate, we won't know until later on that we've actually peaked because I, I'm very sure the RBA will state that, okay, we don't know whether this is the top or not. Data dependent is their Data phrase. Data dependent is their phrase. That's exactly right. That said, I'm 
somewhat confident that they will actually pause again for their July meeting. Just some of the framing of the words they used at the very end of their statement, it to me sounded like as though, okay, they wanted to wait for more data to come in. Will they get to see another CPI number before making that decision? They'll have another CPI number come in. They'll have some more retail numbers come in. They'll see naturally what's going on in the housing market. So there will be more information come through, plus the employment numbers, which I'll be following closely as well. So they get to see another round of information. Oh, good. Because it is extraordinary times. We keep hearing that consumer confidence is, is at 30-year lows. Yes. But we've got a rising property market. It's, it's very abnormal. That is correct. But it, it, it does boil down to this notion of, okay, we need an inflation hedge of the sort. Because the, the truth is, is that if you're leaving your money in the bank at the moment, in a standard cash management account, okay, you might get now one and a half to two percent. Inflation's running at seven. That means you're losing in real terms that on that money about five percent a year. Yeah. Uh, and I like to remind people regularly history, especially in this city, because back in the 1970s, Sydney house prices quadrupled in a decade. On the back of rising inflation. On the back of rising inflation, really. Now, inflation was more elevated than what we have today. But it was on the back of rising inflation. People were looking for some tangible assets uh, to, to park their money in so, so they could hold their value. Yeah, that, that all seems plausible and obvious now as we look back on what was happening in 2022. But back in 2022, it was a less obvious point, that one, wasn't it? That that's how the market could play this year. That is correct. Uh, I think uh, 2022, there was a bit of shock and awe with the rate rises we had initially. Uh, people thought, okay, well, uh, buyers really stood back. But in truth, nobody was doing it particularly hard in terms of existing borrowers. Uh, yes, it was more stress, but everybody held on. Massive test for the market coming up. Uh, Louis, final question, a final point, I should say. Sales volumes, um, correct me if your numbers are showing uh, something different, but sales volumes compared to 2021 have absolutely crashed. Sales volumes are definitely lower compared to 2021, but what we're noticing in the auction market is we're now recording higher volumes compared to 2022. So vendors are happy to chance their arm with that sale process. Yeah, so you're seeing a higher sales turnover compared to 2022 right now. That's not to say it's going to last. Uh, if we do see further rate rises from here, I think you, you won't see that sales volume last. But yeah, definitely still lower than 2021. So just taking a look at uh, the property market from the new state government's perspective. Sales volumes from the boom of 2021 have dropped by, I'm hearing 30%, 35%? Yeah, 30% is a rough mark. Yeah, so that's that's a massive hit to stamp duty revenue. That's right. Um, and that money's got to be generated somewhere, somehow, um, by the state government. What do they do, seeing uh, revenue from one of their most lucrative sources um, drop by that amount? Well, ultimately, the long-term um, solution to that issue of the boom-bust in state government revenues is to move to a land tax-based system and get rid of stamp duty. That would resolve the issue of these boom-busts in revenues. And the previous Liberal, liberal government was slowly moving towards that. Uh, now, that's been halted, as we know, uh, with the new state Labor government. Uh, so I don't see a change in the taxation policy anytime soon. So can we expect things uh, like road tolls, uh, uh, land tax? Can we expect 
added taxation elsewhere to offset the drop in stamp duty or are they just copying? That would be a bold move from the state uh, Labor government to do that. I suspect what they'll do instead is just run budget deficits. Interesting. Louis, great wrap today. Thanks very much for that. Thank you. And thank you for joining us today on Talking Property. We look forward to speaking with you next time. Thank you.